0: hey guys so hope everybody's good and this is my um maybe my last podcast before boston Um as per usual i'm driving um to physio and um, this is kind of the last chance i'll have to get like some decent body work done and, and you know i talk about physio in different ways like sometimes it's during heavy training to keep yourself injury free other times it's like right now for example it's um basically the physio that i'm working with in i I work with two physios ronan mclaughlin from belfast um via sinai and then also cameron Steele, um basically down balamina direction and both are you know via sports institute um and both help um ronan Tends to. Ronan's been helping me now for about five or six years, and so um, Ronan in this build-up particularly was um, very good with knowing knowing the parts of my body that tend to break down when I'm training quite hard, and then being that um, reinforce reinforcing voice of keep on top of this stuff keep on top of this stuff and then actually checking those parts of my body to make sure that um i am keeping on top of those parts today the the role that cameron will play um is essentially we left uh we left a slot open a one hour slot and um, just in case today was my final session and and if you're if you're feeling anything in that final session, not not so much in terms of I'm injured, I perhaps won't be able to race, but you can also just feel things in terms of, hey, this might actually hinder my ability to run 26 miles in a really fluid and, and almost rhythm, really nice rhythm, et cetera, et cetera. And so the physio that you're going to get today is it, it can be... For me personally, it's going to be glutes, hips. Um, I'm going to get a bit of work done on my diaphragm, hip flexors, um, and that's going to allow my body to just feel um, a bit more open, a bit more freed up. Um, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel anything wrong this morning, but that doesn't mean that I can benefit from a little bit of work, not too aggressive, but more like dynamic work, little bit of massage, little bit of body movement. Um, and it, it can really open the diaphragm up. We run in a very hunched over kind of state. And um, so I actually just ordered a foam roller. And what I do is I foam roll my back a little bit, but then I kind of just try. It's quite It's quite sore and it's quite difficult to do. But I try to kind of lay on the foam roller for a, for a period of time, an extended period, period of time, which allows the, it actually allows your, if you look down at your your abs and, and your diaphragm and your psoas and your hip flexors and your rib cage and just your your abs in general, it allows those to stretch because quite a lot of the time, like I said, we're, we're hunched over in that forward trajector, tra- trajectory. And when you're hunched over in that forward trajectory state, it shortens a lot of those muscles up. So that's why abs, hip flexors, and uh, basically what can happen is, think of it as your, your pelvis and your arse can start to stick out up towards the sky. Your hip flexors can shorten and then as and now your arse is up against the sky, because your hip flexors have shortened, you're not running as tall as you could, and you're starting to lean towards the ground, and then that's actually tightening up, abs, psoas, etc etc. So by doing the opposite and, and opening your body up in the opposite direction, as if like like if we all ran and we all ran leaning backwards with our with our head up towards the sky and um, arching our back the opposite way, well, of course this tightening wouldn't happen, but but that's not productive for fast running, and so naturally if you're spending a lot of time in that hunched over state, and maybe you do it at your desk, maybe you do it when you're driving, of course those muscles can get to a place where they're where they're pretty tight, they're pretty locked up, um, and and essentially you need to either you or a physio needs to start to open those up or of course you can start to um get like little breathing problems you can start to find that your stride shortens a little bit um, and this is where yoga is absolutely fantastic because yoga does a really good job of opening things up and um, a lot of tension that builds yoga does a really good job of resetting that um, and it also just starts to it starts to kind of play a role of Getting you in touch with your body, and you actually start to see what areas are tight and what areas need work. Um, a lot of people, if you went to a yoga class at the start of a marathon buildup, raced your marathon, and then went to a yoga class before your next marathon buildup, at least you'd learn something. At least you'd know which class. If it was the exact same class, the exact same stretches, etc etc the exact same movement patterns at least you'd see am i better or am i worse and and most people starting a marathon build up finishing a marathon build up starting a new marathon build up actually have no idea what condition their body's in most of us know how our fitness is at least how we think our fitness is but remember that in order to in order to get the fitness out of your body, your body physically needs to be in a good way, right? And so, I, I place quite a lot of emphasis on physio. Um, I try not to go OTT. I try not to go over the top. I try not to um, beat my body up too much. But generally speaking, once or twice a week, I get into work with a physio. And generally speaking, there's always something to work on. Um, even though I'm, even though I'm tapering. I kind of see what Cameron's going to do today is he's going to do a couple of, you know, stretches, a little bit of body work, a little bit of massage, probably a little bit of neck clicking, a little bit of back clicking. And then between his work today and the final taper, that's what will get my body right on that Monday the 11th. So I'm driving now and tomorrow I will drive to the Dublin airport. Um, I'm probably going to have to get up about six o'clock in the morning, six thirty. It's my tonight will be my last night in the altitude tent. At the minute, the altitude tent's at about eight thousand feet, but I, I there was a period of time I had it up to like nine thousand feet, ten thousand feet, um, even higher actually. Um, and so it'll be quite nice. Tonight's that last again. That's another box ticked. I think it's twenty. 27 days or 26 days 26 nights sorry in the altitude tent and um, my weight body weight seems to be in a good place it's not I'm not super light I'm kind of like 69 and a half kilograms but for me that's good everyone needs to know what works for them and um, I actually cut <laughs> I fucking hate this but I cut butter out and I really like butter and so I've been having like potato bread and pancakes and normally I fucking saturate them in butter, excuse my language, but at the minute I've been really good. So yeah, I've cut down a few things, um sweets, chocolate, takeaways. These are all things that for, for eight weeks of a ten week build up, I'm not I'm not that mad. like I if I want a takeaway I have a takeaway. But remember that normally on a Sunday morning, I'm gonna go and run 20 miles. And then often on a Sunday night, I'm gonna go and run four or five. So a Sunday can be 25, 26 miles. And so if you have sushi and fried chicken and curry and rice, and then you go run all that distance, it kind of cancels it out. If anything, it probably fuels it. Whereas if you're tapering and you're gonna rest on the Sunday, (laughs) <laughs> and you have a fucking chicken curry, fried rice and sushi and, yeah, it probably doesn't really have anywhere to go. If you think about that quite logically, the only place it's going to go is probably sitting as a layer of fat in your arse. Um, And that's kind of the shitty part of the sport, but what I've sort of begun to realise... Let me have a little drink of tea. What I've started to realise is... We actually don't want it to be easy. Like, it wouldn't be any fun. Like, if you could have five pints of cider, a chicken curry fried rice, and fucking chicken balls, and and all these luxuries, and a a big bag of midget gems, and a big bag of chocolate buttons, and, you know, then you could wake up on the Monday morning, and then you're like, do you know what, fucking, I'm just going to rest this weekend. And you do that for eight weeks, and then you run a marathon, PB. It's no fun. It's not it's not what you want. Like you you love to earn the P B. It's that it's that idea of I fucking earned that. And then when you know how difficult it was to achieve that P B, that's what fucking gets you excited about trying to trying to do things a little bit differently for the next one and trying to get like you know, another P B or close to your P B or it's not fucking supposed to be easy. We, we, none of us ever wanted it to be easy. We just complain all the time at fucking how hard it is, um, and that's what I sort of realized. Like, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to work for these things. You have to earn these things. I know how hard I worked for that two hundred nine. I worked really, really hard, and actually, how hard I worked for that two hundred nine it's what kind of gave me the confidence that I don't think other people are going to achieve that anytime soon because it was really, really hard and things in life that are really, really hard, they very often, you know, look at London Marathon there was very few guys from Europe and Britain and Ireland running 209 it's it's really difficult and you know, i I seen, I seen people's training that Maybe looked on paper better than stuff that I've done. Maybe way better than stuff that I've done. But that's that's the thing about marathon running. Training is one thing, and then race day is a completely different fucking animal. I I read things like my heart rate was much higher on race day. I don't know what happened. I read I read things like oh you know it was it was fine until this part of the race and then I don't know what happened. And that's the nature of marathon. That's, that's the nature of the beast. Do you know how many times I've done a 10 mile tempo at fucking altitude with a pretty low heart rate? And then stood on a start line at sea level, the gun's gone. And my fucking heart rate's higher than what it was at altitude. And of course now I understand like tapering allows the heart rate to come up fueling allows the heart rate to come up. There's a lot of different things involved. It's not just fitness. But you have to, these are these are the things that on the marathon start line and on marathon race day, you have to learn to cope with. You learn very quickly that your fucking GPS didn't work. You learn that your GPS on maybe the little loop you were training on is a little bit generous. These are all things that you learn on race day and and some people handle it really really well other people don't but then they do a really good job of handling it better next time and that's what life's all about guys you know what i mean i my first marathon wasn't a fucking blessing you know i went out in 66 minutes um and came home in 74 two hours 20 and 20 something minutes i tore my quad I, I really struggled home, limped home, sore quads, sore hamstrings, everything. But I finished it out. And, you know, the next marathon I did was way better. The marathon I did after that was way better again. And I think now I've got to the point where the last four marathons are all, you know, the average would be sub 212, you know, 211-ish. Um, and you have a 209, you have a 211, you have a 211, you have a one. And then I think you have a And that's the last three, four years that I can be really proud of. Um, and it takes time. You, you, you have to learn. It's a learning curve. And then there's just no excuses. Sore hamstrings, sore feet, sore calves. Too high heart rate, wind, weather. It doesn't matter. What matters is start to finish. How long did it take you? And, and it doesn't matter if up until three mile ago or two mile ago or one mile ago, start to finish, how long did it take? That's it. That, that's what we tend to um, judge ourselves off. So look if you've just done one, learn from it. Don't make similar mistakes. If you nailed it, don't get complacent. The next one might not go as smoothly as you wanted. Um, what do you think happened to me? I ran 209. I ran 61 minutes. I got very complacent. I thought I was a big dog. I thought I didn't have to train as hard, and and look what happens. You get found out, you know. You get found out. You get found out really, really quickly. So today, today was better than before London. Um, my little session that I do. I did it on the track so that there's no fucking about. I like to do it on the track because then. You know, I talk about these cheat loops. I talk about loops where the GPS doesn't work. Tokyo was terrible for that. The GPS on an 800 meter loop was just awful. Hold on. And for all I know, for all I know in Tokyo, I was running like 515 pace. And my watch was telling me 455. And I thought, fucking right, this is awesome. And if it's fucking lying, you know, you're fucked. (laughs) Because your confidence goes sky high. And you need to have that little undercurrent of doubt. You need to. That's basically your chimp. That's your emotional side here. That's the side here that just fucking keeps a lid on things and just says, hold on. Don't get fucking too excited just yet. This is 26 miles, big boy. Don't you get too far ahead of yourself. And no matter. You know, I'm running. I'm running comfortably inside marathon heart rate. So I tend to average about. 168 to 170 for a, for a marathon and so at the minute I've been running at 165 really trying to keep a lid on things and you know my first mile I'm usually like 160 and then mile two I bring the heart rate up to like 163 164 and then mile fa- mile three this morning I got it up to 165 or so um and, and it looks like the pace is right around 455 Um, in that sort of area but remember 1600 metres isn't a mile so it it might actually be like 456, 457 my car really pisses me off does anybody's car have that like like you go over bumps and it thinks you're out of control and it like throws the brakes on for you it's actually quite fucking dangerous I don't even know how you turn it off but it's forever braking on me like as in it it fucking brakes for me I think it thinks I'm about to crash. Anyway, sitting around 456, 457, but like I said, remember that's that's round the track, there's no hills, um and I don't really have any cards left to play. So sometimes you still have a few cards left to play, you know, you can you can taper a little bit more. My ta- I'll taper a little bit more, but not really loads. And and obviously the shoes I was wearing this morning for that little bit of tempo is the pair of shoes I'll race in race day. So yeah, it's it's there's not it's not telling me a lot. And if you do a three mile tempo, as we all know, certainly isn't telling you what you can race for twenty-six miles. It's kinda telling me that at one sixty-five heart rate, I'm gonna be just under or right around five minute pace. And that's pretty fucking good. I'm pretty happy with that. Um what I what have continuously tried to remind myself is that 6 weeks ago 6 weeks ago I ran 63:50 for a half marathon, right? The general rule 63:50. So, let's call it let's call it 64 minutes. Let's call it what it is. 64 minutes. The general rule of thumb is you double your half marathon time and you add six minutes, right? So in twenty in 2020, 61.08, if you double 61.08, you're talking, let's call it 61.00, 2.02, add six minutes, 2.08, right? So if you double 64 and add six minutes, you're talking 2.14. Now... Let's take away the 20 or 30 seconds because it was 63.50 and you're talking 21330. And fair enough, I did go off at like 4:30 pace and then die and run like four fifty five minutes, et etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So 63 and a half, even 63, double 63 and add six minutes. It's still only 212. So realistically, five, six weeks ago, i i certainly could not have been talking about running a marathon at sub five minute mile pace and and actually it's not that i'm now planning to run a marathon at um sub five minute pace i'm gonna go very much off heart rate i'm gonna go off a feel i'm gonna do very similar to what i did in dublin when i ran dublin um i came second i was very smart on the early hills and i think i have to do very similar here in boston respect the hills respect the course and um, like i said respect the fact that you know not fucking five six weeks ago there i ran bloody sixty three fifty. i didn't run 61 minutes when i stood on the start line of london marathon i knew that not three weeks before I had ran 13 miles at 440 pace, right? So I had that confidence that, well, fuck, if I can do that, Jesus, you know, 455 pace today, that that shouldn't hurt me. Whereas I don't have that com- I Sorry, it's not even the confidence. I don't have that, like, that was a fact. In 2020, that was a fact. Nobody could argue with it. Nobody could dispute it. I don't have that fact in my tool bag this year. But, and the big but, I had about five or six weeks. I had a little bit longer. And the thing is, things went a lot better this year since the half marathon than in 2020. So that's where the confidence comes in. I was able to get back into training. I didn't have to rest you know, I had a sore quad after Lauren in 2020. I think I had to spend three days resting. I had to change a lot of sessions. I was having a lot of trouble with my breathing. Um, But at the end of the day, I need to be realistic. I need to be smart. And I need to make up for the fact that in the Olympics, I didn't race with discipline. There was no discipline. And so that's That's the plan for Boston. The plan for Boston is the race. I I feel like I'm saying Boston in a funny way. That's the plan for Boston. Plan for a Boston, man. What I need to do is I need to run in a sensible way that allows me in those last five or six miles after the hills, maybe it's four or five miles after the hills, just like I did in Dublin in 2019, fucking roar home, roar home. What we don't want to see is an athlete struggling from halfway and finding out really quickly that he wasn't fit enough for, you know, nine or 2.10. We just want to see a positive experience. And the reason I say we is because I know everybody listening cares, cares about their own running, but also cares about my journey. And, and, and we're all in this in a way together. And I know what we need and what we want is a real positive experience because things haven't been easy. It's not been the easiest, you know, five or six weeks of my life. I I did come off those antidepressant medications. It it throws your mind all over the place. I didn't know if I should even do Boston. You know, I, I didn't know if I should just take it a bit easy on myself or, you know, give myself a bit of downtime. Hold on. I thought the answer might be a little bit of downtime, take a little bit of space, allow things to calm down. Um, I am working with a new therapist. Under Armour kindly, at the minute I'm I'm I am my bloody car did it again that fucking autocorrect. Um, I am signing my new Under Armour contract the day after Boston um under armor are getting very close to having their marathon shoe ready but it's not quite ready yet so boston we decided to use we're basically i am re-signing with under armor but it's going to be the day after boston marathon which allows me in boston to wear a shoe that i've trained in and practiced in um but under armor like i said a very 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 hear me hear me with real fucking talk here under Armour boss, the boss at Under Armour, the big guy, Patrick Frisk, emailed me personally to tell me that he knew I'd been struggling. Told me that he that I was a, a like a beam of hope, you could say, to, to share my story and to share it publicly and to say that I struggle. That'll give other people the confidence to know they can talk to people, know that it's okay to talk. And they took it upon themselves to seek me out, help. Now, that is fucking mental. A company like Under Armour wanted to help me. And so I had a call last week with a new therapist called Michael Gervais. And that's Michael and then G-E-R-V-A-I-S. He worked at the Seattle Seahawks, and NFL team. He's a fucking top guy. Um, really, really good bloke. Spoke to him for the first time last week. Um, and at the end of the conversation, I was, I, I said to him, like, fuck, you've even got me, like, smiling and I'm happy. And, and he said, Stephen, that's hope." That's hope that, you know, you can pull through this, that you can get through tough times. And he says there's a lot of work. And he says you you went through a lot of traumas in your life. And and we talk about trauma with a capital T. And There's a lot of dark shit. There's a lot of things that need to be unraveled. And I think I'm going to start doing this process called EMDR therapy. And you basically put yourself back into some of those traumatic situations and relive them. And then you try to get the, the brain and the mind to let them go as such. Um, and that, and that's really tough. That's really tough to dig things up. And that's why it's been a tough few weeks. And that's why I contemplated, like, you know, maybe it's not the right time for Boston. And, and all these, I did it again, Boston. And, and you know what, guys, another fucking very real statement. When is it the right time? You know, when is the fitness ever perfect? When is this psychology ever perfect? When is you and your wife or your partner or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, when are you ever in the perfect frame of mind before a race? You might have argued a day before. You might have argued a week before. Your kid might be, you know, sick that week. When is it ever fucking perfect? And so I made a decision to still do Boston. Boston. Because I believe that it's going to show me that I can still get a result and, and remember that a result doesn't have to be somewhere along the way, somewhere in the last three, four years, I decided that every year I needed to get faster at marathon for it to be a good year. Now, that's just fucking ridiculous. But luckily enough, to be fair, every fucking year I have got faster and you're talking 217, 214, 212, 211, five fucking years in a row and all of a sudden i'm now actually 220 217 for fuck's sake (laughs) 214 212 211 209 that's a fucking joke and now all of a sudden i'm fucking up against it because 209 is not easy to fucking go beat and it's especially not easy when you know you realize seven weeks ago you're not that fucking fit (laughs) well all things in perspective not that fit relevant to going and trying to run 209. Um, But yeah, look, uh, let let this be a, this is an opportunity for me personally. It's a big, it's a big moment in my life to realize that not everything has to be perfect. The fitness doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to get better every year. You don't, whoever made that up and it was me fucking made it up. You don't have to do that. Wouldn't it be Bloody brilliant if you did. But that's like saying, I'm going to fucking buy a bigger house every year. Some things you just can't do. Now, what you can do is say, I'm going to try to enjoy every marathon experience a little bit more every year. And part of that can be linked to performance. But also part of that can be linked to preparation. Part of that can be linked to which marathon you choose. You know, a, a one where there's a lot of spectators, for example. One where there's fucking nicer weather bring bring some form of control back into the real world back into being human to ask a fucking human every year to perform better the fact that we get older every year the fact that we can be at different stages in our life our emotions can be in different places it's a big ask and i set i set this impossible goal in my mind that i'll get fucking better every year and the fucking problem is, for bloody five or six years there, I fucking did, excuse my language. And now I've got to deal with the fact that, fuck me, there's a lot of pressure. No, I still think I probably fucking will. But, like, yeah, I guess we'll find out on Monday. But I am I am going to run the first part of this race with, with real control and real discipline and real intelligence. Um, and just bring something else to the table. Everyone's going to be really fit at Boston. Like Boston, do you know what? I, do you know why I keep saying that? Because I watch that fucking Kings of Queens in the morning on Channel Four, and they talk like that, Boston. Um, but I'm gonna leave you at that. I think that's been a really nice podcast today. I think I think something I've realised is that I get a real buzz out of some of these podcasts, and I get really into it. And um, yeah, I'm really excited, and and I am working, like I said, a new therapist, but I also have a new psychiatrist, a, a man called Ross White from Belfast. Um, And so there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things. It's okay to accept that you need help. God, I needed help. I I was really struggling, guys. You know, like, and I I have no issue admitting that. I mean, I was really struggling. There was was days where I, I was very, very happy. Not happy, but happy to report that I was having dark, dark feelings, like, and I mean the darkest feelings, like the, the feelings we all try to stay away from that, you know, would perhaps lead people to self-harm and, and decisions that places that you should never just have to go to. And, and do you want to keep living? Do you want to still be here? And all this kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's really tough. Okay? And, and, I, and I just tell people I just need help. There's some things I'm really good at. There's some things I handle really well. And, and that's that's a, that's a fact, um, but there's other things I just, I really struggle with, and it, it leads me to make decisions, it, it leads me to behavior that I don't always like, I don't always like myself, you know, I, I, I love a lot about myself, and I love the potential, and I love the person I could be later on in life, and I love how many people's lives I could impact, and already impact, but there's times when I'm emotional, and, and I can be quite, nasty and, and quite angry and shout at people and speak to people in ways you're not supposed to and back in school years ago I used to fight and all this kind of stuff and I don't anymore I'm, I'm very good but but it's still not you still can't be verbally nasty to people or um, you can't say nasty things to people and and like you're hurt and that's parts, that's parts of my behavior that I want to change, that I've accepted that in order for me to be the person I want to be, I need help, I need help. And I think that help is going to lead to better happiness and, and better self-fulfillment in life and all these kind of things. But look, um, I might do a little checkup in Boston, in Boston in a few days' time. Um, but the likelihood is I might not. So um, yeah, fuck, I'll check in at some point and um yeah, hopefully it all goes well. But look I, I, I appreciate you all. I hope you understand that. Um it gives me real real good feelings inside knowing that um people basically give a shit about what I say. <laughs> um but alright guys, you take care now. Bye bye bye.